0: He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Glad I did that. Got the microphone on this way. Uh, would you please grab the Proverbs book that's in front of you? Grab the one you think is going to be your own. I'm going to suggest something to you. You don't have to do it, but please turn to the pages with us. Yeah? Uh, and uh, the first page to turn to is page 102. On page 102, you find our intro for the day, or most of it which is set apart there as words of the wise, verses 17 through 21. They kind of come out of nowhere if you've been reading the book. If you've been reading the book, you know that chapter 1 through 9 is like an epic poem of some kind, and then chapters 10 and following is like the fortune cookies in the Bible, only way better than that. And then suddenly in chapter 22, we just get verses 17 through 21. And it's not just a poem. It's like a, it's like a wake up, you fool. Are you reading? Moment. It's pretty powerful. You see it there again, Words of the Wise. It it continues with 22 on into chapter 24. It just goes back to regular Proverbs. And then you have kind of the end of Solomon's work And chapter 25 begins Hezekiah's work. Um, but what you might do now, here's my suggestion to you, right? Is that you remember this page number 102. When you go home today, you come back and you read through verses 17 to 21. And then whatever, whatever comes into your head, you put it on the opposite page. What, I mean, if it's the grocery list. I don't care. You know, put it there, right? Um, just do that. Now, what, what uh, my daughter immediately suggested to me, I didn't think of either of these things is that what you could do is just go verse by verse and smart note across. I'm always suggesting you do that. Read a verse, say what it means. Read a verse, say what it means. Look, it's right there for you to do it. Or every once in a while, maybe you got your favorite verse and you want to draw a big picture with that verse as the words in the picture. I don't know what you do at home, right? I know what my daughter does because she has told me, right? I told you. Uh, but it's great ideas of how to use this, right? That's number one. Number two, go to the one verse that is in the intro, that's not there. It's It's... Uh, on page 138, which just so happens to be where the words of a girl show up. You want to have a fun time. Spend a week and a half in Proverbs 30. But, but the point today here is uh, just verse 25 there. Did this move you when we sang it a few moments ago? The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in Jesus Christ is safe. Don't let anyone tell you Jesus is not in the Proverbs or the Proverbs are just moral lessons about this world. They're really about faith in Christ. And my own study of the book has been one of the best decisions I ever made as a pastor. 14 years in. Now I'm in 17, right? 14 years in. Best decision I ever made. Study the book of Proverbs. So I invite you to continue with me on that journey. And I'm so glad it's taken hold in the spirit of the congregation that we're giving away these books because we think it's a good idea. So uh, the more we are wise together, the more peace I think we'll see in our midst and around us. From there, would you find your way in the bulletin uh, to the text from Isaiah, which is where we're going to start? We're going to look at Isaiah and we're going to finish with the words of our Lord. Uh, But Isaiah, that's on page seven of the bulletin. And I'm just going to walk us through this uh, verse by verse here. Not too much time on it because we got lunch coming and we've got other stuff coming. So, but this is what we do, right? This is why we're growing as a people. And I don't just mean that we do see you know, new people in our church uh, joining, visiting, coming through. You know, we're on the map and all this. Um, but the, the reason why we're growing isn't because we're growing numerically. We are growing as individual people. I'm watching all of you. I think back to where any of us were pre-2020, regardless what stories you think are true about all of it, and we're all stronger Christians. It's really something. And I think it's because we study the Bible together every week. So here we go. Isaiah 40, the framework for the book. Isaiah just wants to shout, comfort, comfort my people. If you've been reading Isaiah up to 39, it's a little bit of a downer. Chapter 39, right? Verse 1 of chapter 40, this is a good story, he says. Comfort. I'm here to give you comfort. And then he says, speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she's received double from the Lord's hand for all her sins. And in its context, of course, Hezekiah's prayer and the Rabshakeh outside the gates and the king of Assyria and the armies of angels chasing them back to the temple of Dagon, all this great stuff. God has just saved Jerusalem from the destruction that northern Israel was annihilated in and that Judah most of its cities fell and were burned in but now going forth trusting in God who destroyed the enemy armies at the gates they are promised again God sends them out to build that there is no iniquity any longer that there's no punishment coming he expects them to grow in faith and hope And of course, we know this is about Jesus, right? That the double payment for sin wasn't Hezekiah's prayer. But that indeed, when we pray in faith to Jesus, guess what? The payment of his vicarious atoning sacrifice for sin, it is our prayer. Every time. Our words are in his sight. Our lives are in his hands. We are his people now. And this is comfort. Double for all your sins does not mean punishment on you. It means the full punishment for sin fell on Jesus. And now you get a double inverse portion. As bad as a punishment as you should have had, it will be the opposite, good, better times two at least. You follow that? That's charity from God. You deserve to be destroyed. He says, I'll make you a son of God instead of just a man. Wow. What a thing. It's all there, right? Is there in the shadow for the people in Jerusalem looking at the city, waiting for David's king to come. And it's there for you right now today to believe that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, not because of your diet or your workout, but because you are inhabited by the words of God the same word who became flesh and dwelt among us. And will do so again in a few moments by bread and wine. Yes. Verse 10. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. So in a time of collapse and calamity and crisis, He says, don't worry about it. I'm your God. I've got you covered. It's going to work out. It's going to be better. I'm coming to take care of you. And Hezekiah's reign is very good after this. The people thrive and the faith thrives. And of course, the the fullness of this is Jesus, our king. He is the one who has done this. He is the good shepherd. And I here is under shepherd or pastor. What do you call me, right? What does that mean? What are we We are here as the very flock that he comes and promises to take care of. And he says he will do it not by means of men and hirelings. So, as much as the office of the holy ministry, the pastoral preaching office, does exist and must exist as Jesus' institution to the end of this world, it really isn't about the pastor. It's about the Christian who is greater than the pastor. The pastor is the guy who serves the food. And make sure the grammar is okay. The Christian is the priest, the prophet, and the king. Everywhere you go, that's double for all your sins again. It's pretty cool stuff here. He has you in his arms. Verse uh, 14, if you're worried about the times we live in especially, with whom did he take counsel and who instructed him? And taught him in the path of justice. Like, you know, you got to look out your window and say, "God, what's going on with the world today?" Right? You have to. God, what is going along with the world today? What's What's going on? And he says, well, you, "You thought I was going to ask you about how it should be. Did you think this was bad? See, because God, He's always doing good. So if the city's burning down, God's like, that's a good thing." That's always how it is. He doesn't want anything out of his control. So the question is more like, well, why is the city burning down, God? And he he, he sometimes says, I'm not going to tell you why. That's Job's lesson, right? Although he'll say, I won't tell you why, but I'll promise you this, you'll receive double for all your sins. It's going to get better. Uh, I think my favorite way to tell this story is every time I break a coffee cup, I find what I like better. It's the craziest thing. You know, I mean, it breaks, I'm angry. That was my favorite coffee cup. i drink it every day. But I finally learned, It took about three. It's like, you know what? That's kind of cool. I'm gonna find a better coffee cup. It's just gonna happen, right? So this is the way Jesus turns all your sin, all your trial, all your struggle into the path that is straight and narrow, like a child's faith, walking day by day. We're, We're gonna get to that day by day here. Okay, so he doesn't need us though. This is the thing, he's got it. Right? Uh, who taught him knowledge, showed him the way of understanding. Look, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust on the scales. He lifts up the aisles as a very little thing. If you've seen Alaska, if you've seen the Rockies, if you've seen the heights, like he made that and he kind of doesn't think it's a big deal. It's just not a big deal, really. And I know, I get it, America and like Russia, right? And like China and the UN, and it just gets worse and worse, right? And so maybe it's like Trump, or, or maybe it's like, I don't know. But like, he's like, I don't care. That's, that's a thing to just step back on. It doesn't mean, like, if the government's going to come, kill your neighbor, let them. That's not what it means. But it does mean he's really not concerned about the economic system at the moment. That's not his concern. No. he'll let it come up and down so that his church will thrive. And if his church thinks it's going to fly, thrive based on about how much money they have, he's going to destroy the money. So that we'll come back to the thing that lives, which is the word of God. And St. Paul, we learned this the hard way, didn't we? With that building. And let's remember it then. This isn't condemnation. This is comfort. This is hope. We are strong while the world is weak because we have a God who's with us. Mm-hmm. Nations are as a drop as a bucket. There is nothing worthless on the scales. Next page. To whom then will you liken God? Or to what likeness will you compare him? And I just got to hold up the crucifix for a moment and say, well, that all changed a little bit with the incarnation of Jesus Christ. So to whom will I liken God? To what image will I compare him? Uh, Well, I'm pretty sure that's Jesus on the cross. There are other people who have been crucified. But if I hold up a cross with a man on it anywhere in the world, no one's going to say that guy is somebody by name except for Jesus. So there's this marvelous thing that happened with the New Testament and it's why the Incarnation and the Lord's Supper go together and why people who don't believe the Lord's Supper is what it is don't like crucifixes usually. It tends to be connected theologically because the image of God now is this man, his actual body. So you can paint a picture of him. Whereas when this is written before, you couldn't do that. There was no picture. Who would you compare him to? Now, the thing to really remember is now this man on the cross, who would you compare him to? Nobody. Nobody. He's like, nobody you ever met. Nobody's like this guy because the nations are as a drop in a bucket to him. He rules them with a a scepter of iron. He's not worried about them. He wants to feed his sheep. Why do you say, O Jacob, verse 27, my way is hidden from the Lord. My just claim is passed over by my God. That's anytime you say why. Why God, why God, anytime. He says, why do you say that? do you think i'm not here and the answer is yes i mean he knows this right he's just trying to get us to like be like yes i do god i think you're not there or i i think you're really messing it up (laughs) you know like at least my yard because the poison ivy it didn't have to grow again this year god did it now right like whatever it is he's letting it get out of control isn't it and he's like why are you so worried about all of this have you not heard verse 28 have you not known The everlasting God, Jesus, right? The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And again, that means if you see the city burning down around you, it isn't time to run around and scream. It's time to ask, uh, what is God about right now? Because he likes to build and give and love. That's That's his M.O., him is always in fire. Hell is like kind of the secondary thing behind the main thing, which is forever paradise. That's what he does. So to know that whatever you see going on, God's not asleep. God's not tired. God's not worried about it. And so if we remember our budget meeting from a, month, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, a deficit budget but we got enough money in the bank, so it'll be okay. Yes. Yes, we do. And that's good. St. Paul's in an amazing position. Compare You you go to any other, like, sit on some council church place somewhere and hear what they're dealing with, these congregations right now, we're, like, floating in a boat happy. And they're all fighting all manner of things, even with each other. Politics. I've been in congregations like that, too. We're in an amazing place, and financially as well. But frankly, my hope for tomorrow has nothing to do with the endowment or the budget. Because I know that God can make rocks turn into cash if He needs us to have it, or somebody will wander in with plenty to share. Hey, look, we're all here, and we got plenty. Every single one of us in this country has has plenty. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Comfort my people, yeah. The everlasting God, He gives power to the weak. Verse twenty nine. And those who have no mighty increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young man shall utterly fall. What that's getting at is like, you know, where we got our little boys in here, Luke and Levi, you know, uh, how many hours do they run before they fall asleep? <laughs> yeah, like two and a half, three, right? Four, right? But they will eventually fall asleep. But that's the point here. And then the young men, okay, so we got our young men kind of at the same table, getting married, they're around here. Um, it, it's not about how like young men never get tired, but you know how old men know this. Young men are like, like piss and vinegar, like spitfire. like they're just gonna go, they're gonna go, and they're gonna go, and no one can tell me I'm wrong. And then they're like 45 and they're like, kind of tired. I'm gonna just maybe not fight that battle. Yeah, that's, that's this verse, right? Babies wear out, fall asleep, Young man, grow old, get tired, but they who wait on Jesus shall renew their strength. Every single morning you wake up and the sun comes up and it's not that the sun is Jesus, but Jesus made the sun. Shines on you again today, a promise of his victory. The dawn is when he shall return, at least as an image for us then, right? And from that point on, everything the word of God has to say to you renews the strength of your spirit and your soul. So while Chicken Little's got to run around and say the world is ending, we can be like, all right, cool. It means it's gonna get better. huh?" They shall mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I was taught in a Lutheran school. That means uh, he'll teach us how to wait. He'll teach us patience. With that then, let's turn to the gospel reading, page 10. gonna look at that one. Close our morning. For meditation and uh, talk about the financial thing again a little bit because that's what we do with set apart we talk about finances so that you know we don't have to worry about it and we found again even with uh, budgets and debts and uh, the economic system that we're in now and all these things what continues to happen every year is that we have what we need and there's plenty to go around and the best part of it is we're taking ownership of our religion. We're taking ownership of our congregation. So I was told long ago, people don't give to a budget and there's a reason for that because the budget's a piece of paper. And frankly, it's it's kind of voodoo a little bit and we only half follow it half the time. I and mean, not to say anything is Erica, but everyone knows that this money from over here and electricity goes over to this money to pay for the socks this month, right? Like that, that just happens, okay? So all that's going on, and uh, there is, there's no reason, though, to, to fear that even though right now, at this time in history, we're not as big as we were, nor do we have all the cash flow to pay for everything we want right away right now, we have rainy day savings, and better than that, we're not focused on that. And here today, we're not even focused on your your step up in tithing. The whole point to move to the 10% tithe isn't about how like you're going to get more blessed because of it or because it's more righteous or something like that. It's just a discipline. And what do I mean when I say discipline? Well, here it goes. This is beautiful, actually. Nothing's wrong. No one's in trouble. But by changing the environment and texture of what happens to someone, that person will learn. So the discipline of looking at your finances and saying, if I make it a percentage point and add one percentage this year, can I do It's good for your soul. Because even if you're like, Jesus, I'm afraid I can't. Good, good. Then you prayed to Jesus about how you couldn't. That's the point here. Now look at then how Jesus talks about it. He does not say, feel bad about the money. Feel bad about the mammon. You're so horrible. How dare you give more? All Jesus has to say is, I'm actually, I got it covered for you. Just just don't worry about it. It's gonna be good. We'll go through his words here. The lamp of the body is the eye. You know, what goes in comes out. What do you watch, what do you read, what do you listen to? It's very important. The lamp is the eye of the body. Uh, if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light, right? If you're, if you're bringing good things into your eyes, then your soul is gonna be filled. If you're bringing in wicked things, someone wrote into our show and asked about, you know, do you approve of, uh, you know, uh, decapitated and mutilated fake bodies in people's yards for Halloween? And I, I had to say, I don't approve. <laughs> you know, I think that's strange. So I want to look at mutilated bodies, even if it's just a joke. Yeah. You know, because the, the eye is the lamp of the body and what goes in is what you feel. Yeah. So if your eyes bad, your whole body will be full of darkness, he says. And then think about the people who never get a single word of God in their life at all. How sad. And that's what he's going to talk about. If that light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. And if there is no word of God in you, then there is no light in you. And you are but shadow and fear and terror and shame and arrogance. It's, it's sad. And you're watching children and adults and all sorts of people live with that. And you, you go, it's crazy. It's crazy. You see what they do? It's crazy. It's not crazy. It's wicked. It's wicked and ignorant. And they go together. No one can serve two masters. This is Jesus' point. Like like it's not about like today you better choose Jesus. Jesus' point is I'm your master. Not not me, Jonathan, right? I'm just speaking for him. I, Jesus, am your master. That's his point. So, like, why are you serving the other guy? Just to make you kind of frustrated with me. (laughs) That's his point. And what is he? He is the one who says, Come to me, weary. Heavy and I will give you rest. Right? You know, I got the lilies, I got the birds. I'm going to have you. No one can serve two masters. And I, I kind of went through that. Let's, I got in mammon. Let's just talk about mammon though for a moment at the end of 24, because mammon is really the word of a the name of a false god. That's how you should think about that. It should be capitalized almost. I mean, it isn't, but it is, uh, and it, it really is then something much more than money. And this is the important thing about it. If people think of mammon as money, and some translations say money. But it, it doesn't mean money. It means more like wealth. And if you don't know the difference, I'd invite you to study cryptocurrency. <laughs> you know, that's how I learned the difference between money and wealth. They're different things. Our, our current financial system distinguishes. The future financial system will distinguish. But wealth wealth doesn't lose its value, you see. Of course, you're going to serve things that don't lose their value. You're going to try to hold on to them with all of your life, won't you? Well, that's what people do. No matter what they are, even if that thing is my steak, I just ate. Well, it didn't lose its value to me, you know. That's mammon. And then that's this world. So you want to hear people talk about Mother Nature? There's mammon for you. That's a modern name for mammon, Mother Nature. You can't serve God in mammon. You either have the true God or you got creation. Creation is nice. I like it. It's turned pretty, fall, man, beautiful. But it's not God. It points to God, tells me God's here, but it's not God. And I can't serve them both. Therefore, therefore, don't worry. And like we go and we almost turn that into a law. Like Jesus said, don't worry, but I worry. So maybe I'm not a Christian. Like we do that to ourselves. I do. You know, I, I, don't you? Uh, it's a little bit neurotic. It may be a bit Lutheran, frankly. Um, yeah, uh, in the bad sense of the word, there's a good sense of the word. But uh, it, not worrying is not a commandment. It's a statement of fact and freedom. It's kind of like, you know, there, there, little one. And you can be the little one who's like, how dare he like, look down on me and pat my head? Okay, well, that's what we were born to be and, and, and that's what he saved us from, actually. Right. You can also be the one who goes, oh, it's grandpa. Grandpa knows, right. but it's not grandpa's father. We don't think that way about fathers these days, huh? Um, At St. Paul we do. That's true. So going forth again, and don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink today. As you make your decision, like if you make a decision to give less, don't worry about it. Like I really, as your pastor, I'm shouting at you. If you make a decision to stop giving this year, don't worry about it. You have a good reason. We are in this together And the lifeblood of our congregation is not the offering plate. It's behind me. And it's the spirit among you all right now as each one of you is hearing these words which are going to hit you all in different places but they're all moving you with God's spirit where you need to be this week. And we've been watching together what that's done to us as a people again and again and what joy has brought, what hope has brought, what peace has brought. So, you know, Don't worry, because you make your decision today. Just just do it. Make it a discipline. Follow through on it. Rejoice. Yeah. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. I won't take us through all the poetry. It's beautiful poetry, really. Uh, But verse 30, If he clothes the grass of the field, which is today, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Yes, he will. He will much more clothe you. And, and this not only is about the resurrection of your body on the last day. This is about the peace of conscience in the present. That firm mind which is able to say to the devil, shaming lies that they're lies. and That you belong to God now. And that whatever else is going to happen to this veil of tears and burning fire and flames for all you care, you're going to learn how to sing hallelujah into it. You're going to find the angels on your side. You're going to find hope in your heart. Not worrying. Thirty-two. All these things the Gentiles seek, create the nations, the people. Your heavenly Father knows you need it. You're not going to be without these things. There will be seasons of famine. There will be times when you're in a desert. There's going to be storms. Okay, that's going to happen. But Jesus knows that you would like to see your kids get married and have kids. He knows that. He's not planning to like starve you. Uh, That's that's not his game. Daily bread is a promise. It it may not be, you know, artesian, (laughs) Uh, but it's promise. So then seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. I mean, notice that it's not the prosperity gospel. That's the idea that if I like, if I go to church and I love Jesus, I'm gonna get rich and stuff, right? It's just all gonna be good all the time. I'll never have pain. I'll never have sorrow. Like, no, the Psalms say you're gonna have pain. You're gonna have sorrow and you'll know the joy of calling on Jesus in the midst of it. And it's a better glory, then the world can promise you anywhere. Seek the kingdom of God and trust that today you're going to have enough. And look, it's true today. Why would it not be true tomorrow? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trial, its own trouble. Now that could be bad news to close it, couldn't it? Unless you can put this one in your hopper. I, and boys don't know this. Men do. It's not one of those things. Boys, boys, when they get a new video game, they like this thing called God Mode. You know what God Mode is? It means you get all the weapons and all the abilities on level one. And you just go and kill everything. Little boys think that's fun. Men think that's boring. Men don't want to have a game against a competitor where they win by a thousand million points. Men want to almost lose and then crush them. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It's good news. In the name of Jesus, amen.